Hello and welcome to the political and topical comedy show Austerity Pleasures, episode 3. It's the podcast some people are calling a direct rip-off of Radio 4's Political Animal. My name is Ben Morgan and in previous episodes I've brought you exclusive stand-up comedy clips recorded at my Corbyn Mania gig held recently in Brighton. Now, in light of the events in Paris, it uh, seems inappropriate in this episode to continue broadcasting tons and tons of funny jokes based mainly on the bearded one, Mr. Jeremy Corbyn. So you're going to have to wait until next episode to hear the remaining acts we've not broadcast yet from the gig. Uh, And that means next episode you'll hear extended highlights of Ashley Hayden and our headliner, Don Biswas. Plus, I'm very pleased to announce that we also will be talking to the man behind the Twitter account, Corbyn Jokes. Uh, This account has a mere 25,000 followers and it playfully mocks Jeremy Corbyn by suggesting he has no ability to tell jokes due to the fact he's very, very left wing. Here are two examples. Number one, what would happen if James Bond took Viagra? He would continue being a state-sponsored terrorist whose actions disgrace us all. Number two, an ISIS apologist, a Holocaust denier and a 9-11 conspiracy theorist walk into a bar. We must be hospitable and willing to engage with all sides. You see what they've done there? We'll have a, a, a short interview with the guy behind that account next time, plus some of the very best jokes from that account. But for the rest of this episode, there will be very few Corbyn-based gags because there are more important topics to cover. Now, I'm a strong believer in healing through humour, and I'm not claiming us here at Austerity Pleasures can do that, but perhaps we can help just a little bit. So in this episode, we have contributions from a variety of comedians and funny people, including a return of Magnus Turner MP, who featured largely in the last episode of Austerity Pleasures with 15 minutes of glorious stand-up. Um, I implore you to go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it already. He'll be talking in this episode about the Paris attacks in depth. Plus, we have stand-up clips from Russ Mulligan too. And there are contributions from comedians Graham Tate and Twitter favourite Jake Lambert. Plus, we have a clip of Ashley Hayden with his take on Jihadi John, who died recently. The satire in this episode will mock ISIS, joke about the extreme reactions displayed on Facebook after the Paris attacks, because the only good thing that results from atrocities like the one in Paris is that you can identify which people that you went to school with who are now foaming at the mouth racists, and you can delete them forever. So, you know, every cloud. In contrast to that, I will also talk about the flaws of showing solidarity online. It's clearly very heartfelt, but usually it's very poorly executed. And because of the Paris atrocities, Islam is once again under attack, mainly by idiots. Idiots who think Islam is a country. You may have heard things like, go on, go on, fuck off back to Islam, you prick, over the last couple of weeks. We'll try and redress the balance a bit in this podcast. But before we crack on with the news from Paris, there are three other news stories uh, worth a mention. First of all, I'm recording this a few days before Thanksgiving weekend in America, which of course means the return of Black Friday. If you don't know, Black Friday is like Black History Month, but condensed into just one day. And I'll be doing that joke this time every single year, so look forward to that. Also, a mere half an hour ago, I um, finished watching um, George Osborne's uh, Autumn Statement and Spending Review, plus John McDonald's response, which took 90 minutes in total, and I really know how to have fun on my day off. In the previous years, George Osborne has talked about rescuing Britain, now he's talking about rebuilding Britain, although without an extensive house-building programme. Just 400,000 new houses planned so far. Not a lot. The main news is there are two major U-turns by George Osborne. Number one, the U-turn on the tax credit cuts, they won't be happening at all. And there will be no cuts at all in the police budget. 
both of these things were campaigned tirelessly by the Labour Party and they can claim a massive victory here. However, I estimate that the right-wing press will try and spin this as a Tory victory. So look forward to that, guys. But the other big news is that pensions have been risen again. And let's remind ourselves that the only people that really vote are pensioners who mainly vote Tory. So that's why they did that. You know, I really am quite scared about getting old because they do say you get more right-wing as you get older. And I don't want to end up voting for these pricks. And finally, £15 million will be raised from the VAT on sanitary products, such as the tampon tax. The Labour Party again have campaigned against the tampon tax, more specifically Stella Creasy. It's interesting now because the £15 million raised from those taxes are going to go to women's charities and women's organisations on the whole, which means that they haven't scrapped that tax, but they've enabled people to not be able to criticise that fact by giving all that money to good causes. It's a very frustrating and very clever way of getting around scrapping that tax. But before we go on to the other news stories, uh, apart from Paris, of course, let's hear very briefly from Russ Mulligan, because he's found out what George Osborne has been up to before he was Chancellor of the Exchequer. This, is, this was on Wikipedia, this, until a few months after the last general election, right? The amazing thing about Wikipedia is they keep all of the changes that have ever been made on Wikipedia. You will be able to go and find this. I think until maybe about March of this year, just before the election, they thought they'd better fucking scrub it up, make it look vaguely like it was actually a human being. Anyway, right? After graduating in 1992, uh, Magdalen College, Oxford, have we got any in? Good, there was one guy over in the last place, got into a bit of a scuffle, don't want to talk about it. Anyway, well, <laughs> after graduating in 1992, Osborne did a few part-time jobs, including, right, and remember that the, infant, the internet is an infinite resource, right? There isn't some kind of, Wikipedia isn't like, oh, you're using a few too many characters on this time. But no, they thought, I'll tell you what, we'll keep it to a few. Just do the main ones. Anyway, right? Including, as a data entry clerk, typing the details of a recently deceased into an NHS computer database. That was their spelling mistake, not mine. He also briefly worked for a week at Selfridges, mainly refolding towels. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes you wonder, doesn't it? If we do truly live in a meritocracy, how fucking well must he have refolded those towels? <laughs> they must have been goddamn near perfect. George fucking Osborne, Jesus Christ, that's what we've got. This is Radio B92. Serbia calling. The Magnificent! Serbia calling. That was Russ Mulligan, comedian, on George Osborne's previous employment. If you want to follow Russ on Twitter, it's at Russ Mulligan, R-U-S-S-M-U-L-L-I-G-A-N. Very, very funny comedian. Follow him, please. The only other thing I should mention from the autumn statement and uh, the spending review is John McDonald's response included him reading a passage from Chairman Mao. That is surely never, ever, ever going to backfire. The right-wing press are going to have an absolute field day over that. It was only meant to be a joke, but they're going to lose their shit. Now, before we go and talk about Paris in depth, the only other newsworthy story is good news, you'll be pleased to hear. It's the news that Rolf Harris has been rushed to hospital after overdosing on chocolate. Should I repeat that? Yes, I should. Rolf Harris, a diabetic, has been rushed to hospital after overdosing on chocolate, which led to comedian Graham Tate asking, will he release a version of Careless Whisper? 
Now, that noise you hear there is the pun bell. We're about to do a few silly jokes, and I want to make sure you catch all of the puns, okay? So, Rolf Harris is doing a dime in prison. Actually, that's not accurate. A dime is ten years. Rolf Harris will actually be out in just over two years. Oh, God, two years. I hope he doesn't relocate and move into my quality street. Anyway, my point is that currently, Rolf Harris is behind bars. Chocolate bars. Do you know what? This story really takes the biscuit. A bit like when you suck the chocolate off a Cadbury's finger, which, by the way, is not a prison euphemism. All of that chocolate, eh? Rolf Harris must have been like the Kit Kat who's got the cream. Egg. Cream egg. Um, Now, Rolf Harris is bounty regret his intake. That bounty. Because he's made a right fudge of that. Uh, Uh... Now this story broke on November the 13th, which is 12 days ago, so technically, in my opinion, it's still topical. 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 Did you get it? Mm. I assure you guys, I'm telling the truth there, I'm not lying. (laughs) Oh Jesus. Ralph, I've just got to say this, Uh, when I was younger, I was in your cartoon club. Uh, I hope that gives him a boost. Now we often hear that prisons are like holiday camps, but for Ralph, it's a picnic. Quick question, are these puns making people feel better or worse? Should I carry on? No, you say. Okay, I'm going to call a timeout. Guys, that's the uh, last chocolate-based pun you'll be hearing from me today. Now, let's uh, move over to news about France. Uh, Firstly, when you write down the name of the terrorist organisation who attacked France, it's like two English words, two two two-letter English words put together to form a new word, isn't it? So that prompted Twitter legend Jake Lambert to say, I cannot wait for them to defeat is is, so I can break the internet with my classic was was tweet. It's a very clever joke, especially when written down. Hopefully it works as an audio joke. (laughs) Um, If you um, want to follow Jake Lambert on Twitter, um, you could do if you want, but he's got far too many followers as it is. And if you meet him in person, he's a bloody nice bloke. So there's so many reasons to dislike him. (laughs) Um, but no, if you want to follow Jake on Twitter, his uh, at is Little Lost Lad. That's Little Lost Lad. You may follow him already. 16,000 other people already do. Isis, IS, ISIL, and now there's a derogatory term for them, which is Daesh. I estimate by 2016 that this group would have undergone more name changes than Jay Z, Eminem, and Puff Daddy combined. And they will make an equal amount of unbearable noise too. I've actually taken the controversial step here to give some advice to terrorists. Uh, Guys, do not expect to be a martyr straight away, okay? Take each day as it comes. You must buy tons of deadly equipment. In other words, invest. Invest like a suicide vest. And don't look forward to an afterlife of sexually inexperienced partners because that is virgin on the ridiculous. Okay, guys, I promise you there will be no more puns in this episode I promise I promise and it's not a George Osborne promise either we're going to turn now to a more serious more experienced person now uh, an older gentleman who is also a member of parliament his name is Magnus Turner MP and here are his thoughts on the Paris attacks hello this is Magnus Turner MP at your service and may I say what a great pleasure it is to be speaking to you today from the Greek island of Lesbos And if you find that name in any way amusing or titillating, I suggest you turn off now. The weather here is absolutely splendid, and I understand the same can't be said of the UK at the moment. So if you are one of the many people struggling to stay warm this winter, 
and you're already wearing all your extra jumpers. I imagine you look very funny. Might I suggest you buy a property out here, too? A tremendous addition to the portfolio, and you can always sell it to cover school fees when the time comes, or, or launch a Kickstarter campaign for that if you want to hold on to it. We find it an absolute tonic to come out here once or twice a year, and we're hardly aware of the refugee problems now. But I am sorry that I was unable to join Mr. Morgan in his state-of-the-art studio, where I was hoping to address your concerns and questions. You may recall he gave you my email address in the last edition, although I suspect he may have rather mumbled it somewhat, as that would explain why I received precisely none. Now come on, Britain. You have your part to play in this too, you know. You can't be sending all your emails to Mr. Corbyn. Share them among us all. My address again is the MTMP at gmail.com. That's the MTMP, Magnus Turner MP, you see, the MTMP at gmail.com. And I'll be looking for a marked improvement from you next time. You can ask me anything at all, my views on hunting legislation, my 50 favourite filibuster speeches, how much I love Strictly and Bake Off, just like you do. Anything at all. Now, at the moment, of course, uppermost in all our minds is the future of Jeremy Corbyn. He's going through a very difficult patch at the moment and even appears to have lost the support of many newspapers. But he retains mine. Now, I confess I might feel a little more comfortable with his leadership if he would just commit to bombing a few people, or at least shooting them on sight. But I'm confident, you know, that the more time he spends with his shadow cabinet, the more he will come round to that point of view. This has all arisen, of course, after the dreadful attacks in mainland Europe. Now, perhaps the most encouraging response to those events has been the unflinching unanimity across all parties, not just at home, but all around the world, to bring the aggressors to their knees by calling them a name they don't like. Daesh. That's Daesh. It's an acronym, that you may need to look that word up, of their name in Arabic. Daesh, you see, sounds a little bit like the Arabic word Das, meaning to trample down or crush, a description they find so profoundly offensive they've sworn to cut out the tongue of anyone using it. Not that I'm actually using it now, of course. I, I'm, I'm quoting now. These are not my words. They're the words of other people, just, just to be clear about that. But don't dismiss name-calling as a devastatingly effective military tactic. Just look at the course of the Second World War. After the Allies started singing songs concerning Mr. Hitler's testicle. Now, what can we do to fight the terrorist threat? By we, I mean, of course, you, the ordinary, hard working people who do the right thing. Well, the attacks in Paris were described by Diane as an assault on the prostitution and vice of going to a restaurant or a sporting or cultural event. It was an assault on fun, celebration, compassion, and humour, the very things, I suggest, which should be our weapons of resistance. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. We have to fight for the right 
to partake in the cultural life of our society which we value so highly. So don't change your habits. Don't stop laughing. Don't let them win. We must fight them with our lifestyle and beliefs and behaviours. We must fight them in the bistros, in the galleries and restaurants and bars, the theatres and theme parks and zoos. We must never surrender. This is Magnus Turner, MP. Cheerio. Darling, can I have another daiquiri? Magnus Turner MP there, um, as he said, follow him on Twitter and send him questions on email uh, so we can feature those in a future episode. Now, something Jeremy Corbyn said very recently has struck a chord with me. He was asked about renewing Trident, Britain's uh, nuclear deterrent, and Britain's favourite pacifist said, Terrorist atrocities are caused by individuals and not countries. The use of nuclear weapons is pointless in the fight against this threat. And you know what? He is right in my opinion. Our nuclear deterrent didn't kill people like Jihadi John, uh, our enemy. It was in fact a drone strike that killed him. Now, Jihadi John, that's a very interesting case because he was British. As we all know, he went over to Syria to fight for ISIS and his name was chosen by the press because he had a British accent, like a bloke from the Beatles. Because when you see a murderous extremist who loves beheading people, you immediately think of John Lennon, don't you? It's a strange one, isn't it? If we are supposed to now call ISIS by a name that disrespects them, can we also stop likening them to successful and much admired pop stars like John Lennon? So next time a British man joins a terrorist organisation, I think that we must label him something like Darius Daesh. Okay, do you get it? That joke works because it features a reference to a pop star who no one likes or cares about anymore. And on the flip side, that joke doesn't work because it contains a reference to a pop star no one likes or cares about anymore. Ah, that's by the floor there. Anyway, scrap Trident. That's my overall point, I think. Yeah. Now, guys, let's move on and talk about the Facebook reaction to the Paris atrocities. Um, first of all, guys, if you're getting angry, can you just chill out? Yeah, Muslims on the whole, they're just mainly brown people, okay? A lot of them, I'd say 99.99999%, maybe even higher, won't go out and murder people in the name of religion. Normally, it's just the insane ones who do that. Why can't anyone see that? On question time, they revealed that the terrorists were EU citizens and not migrants, and I hope everyone on Facebook was watching that. Now, on the subject of the refugees arriving in Britain, we're going to go back over to Russ Mulligan now um, with his uh, take on the uh, the intake. I want to start by saying, so we're just addressing, you know, so what's what's happening uh, at the moment uh, in terms of you know the, the recent attacks in Paris. I think we can all agree that. You know they're they're completely appalling, and you know obviously the, the refugee crisis uh, in Syria that's been going on for the last few months. And I was listening to uh, Radio Four yesterday on the PM program. Yeah, they were saying that um, the first plane loads of Syrian refugees from Syria have have come over, and Glasgow was actually the first city where they arrived. And I I want to congratulate the the people of. Glasgow for, for welcoming the first group of Syrian refugees to the UK. And when, and when you think of those people and 
you know, the, the, the depravity that they've had to endure, and, you know, the, the violence and the, the appalling living conditions, and just, just no hope, you know, and everything. And, and yet, they've still found it in their hearts to welcome the Syrian refugees. Russ Mulligan again there. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Russ Mulligan. Now, let's talk about solidarity. It wasn't just social media like Facebook that had the temporary um, French flag to show solidarity. I went on Amazon. I know that's wrong, but I went on Amazon.co.uk and they dedicated almost the entire front page to just an image of a French flag flying in the wind and the word solidarity underneath, but spelled in French, which is solidarity. So very similar spelling and pronunciation. But I think, if you really think about it, surely solidarity is paying your full taxes to a country and those taxes help fund things like hospitals, hospitals where, I don't know, people who are injured in a terrorist attack may end up and they need supplies and and, and expertise to, to treat those people who are injured and that all comes from paying your full taxes. Me saying that is slightly flawed because I was almost going to use Amazon there and I don't actually know the full details of Amazon's tax deal with France. Is it as bad as their tax deal with us? And I refuse to use Tax Dodger's Google to check the facts. Luckily I have a friend on Facebook called Dan Gurdon who did a bit of research and he found out that Amazon have a special tax status in France due to them having a base in Luxembourg. Sound familiar? But in 2012, France sent Amazon a $159 million tax bill for unpaid tax in a clampdown on American firms, which is very good news. I don't have a punchline there, it's just very good news. Hopefully they're continuing that. But it does smack of double standards if you're announcing solidarity with the country without actually paying them the full amount of taxes. My favourite tribute to France and showing solidarity was a burlesque person who I follow on Facebook. Um, I'd just like to point out at this stage that she asked to befriend me and not the other way around. I know no one's going to believe that, but still. And her Facebook image is her in her pants with her boobies out, and she just put that temporary French flag over the top of it. Respect. Respect. Uh, But my favourite tribute uh, so far is that image of the Eiffel Tower, which has been made to look like the peace symbol. And uh, this image went viral. Uh, A very muscular, very toned, shirtless man had drawn the symbol on his torso. And someone has simply commented, how do I make this all about myself? And it really was that cringeworthy. Back on Facebook, uh, a lot of uh, my Facebook friends were impersonating Alf Garnett, who sadly died uh, very recently. Uh, Very, very, very racist things were being said, and not in an ironic way, like uh, Alf Garnett would have done. A lot of people still, to this day, say that Muslims should stand up and condemn terrorism in the name of Islam. Uh, They should apologise for these people's actions, even though they don't know these people. And and, and they should, yeah, just mainly take responsibility for the actions of these mad people, right? It, It never makes any sense, that argument, to me. It's completely insane, the argument, right? Um, with that in mind, how about um, the guy from Norway, and Anders Breivik? Remember him? He uh, he was a one-man Terminator essentially. Who who um, got a boat out to a Norwegian island where there were several hundred children on an excursion, and he killed almost all of them um, in the name of uh, multiculturalism, which never made any sense. Uh, now he was white. He was a terrorist. It took ages for people to use those two words together because he wasn't brown and a terrorist. Weirdly, he got off a lot of flack by the media because of that. 
but uh, being white, there's every chance he might be a Christian. So why didn't the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Pope and every other priest in the country, why weren't they urged to apologise on behalf of his actions and take responsibility for his mad, mad, mad actions? It, it's just, it, it just doesn't make any sense why people ask uh, Muslims to do that. Um, we're now going to enter the admin zone. Warning, you are now Thank you very much for all the people who have been listening to this podcast. We've got a small listenership. That's partly due to me having very little presence on Twitter for various reasons that some of you may know already. I want to thank you for persevering with me as host because I've listened back to a few episodes and I do sound a bit like Graham Kelly, former head of the FA. You may remember he used to be involved in the FA Cup draw and he used to sound like a robot. Hello everybody, welcome to the fun fun event of the FA Cup draw. Sometimes I think I sound a bit like that, but uh, you may hopefully you uh, disagree with that. I'd like to thank the list of contributors to the, this episode of Austerity Pleasures Episode 3. They are uh, Magnus Turner MP. Russ Mulligan, comedian. Jake Lambert, another comedian. I want to thank Dan Gurdon briefly for his uh, stats about uh, Amazon. And if you want to contribute to the show, please join us on uh, Facebook, the Austerity Pleasures Facebook page. You can you can find out everything that's going on with Austerity Pleasures, the podcast, future gigs, how to contribute. Talking of future gigs, we have a gig coming up in London, Tufnell Park, North London, on Tuesday, December the 8th. It's called Corbin Mania London. It's very much based on the gig that we held in Brighton recently. Lots of the, the same acts are going to be appearing. Lots of the people you've heard on the podcast are going to be appearing. We're also hoping, really, really hoping to secure a big name headliner for that gig. And the good news is tickets are still available. Advanced tickets range from £3.50 for early bird tickets. There's still a handful of those left up to £5.50 for advanced tickets. That's still very cheap. Uh, the reason is because uh, the door price is £10. Okay. So to avoid the £10 charge on the day, get your tickets in advance. There are plenty of advanced tickets to buy. Uh, you just need to take advantage of it before Tuesday the 8th of December, okay? Also, if you would be so kind, go on to our Austerity Pleasures Facebook group, find the event page for that, and click going. And if you're feeling even kinder, share that event to people. Talk about it on Twitter. Talk about this podcast on Twitter. I'll be very grateful if you can say nice things. Uh, retweet the podcast links that I've provided. My Twitter address is at Ben underscore Morgan underscore or you can follow any of the comedians that are featured in this podcast also on twitter once again thank you very very much for listening i appreciate everyone who downloads this and listens to it you are now leaving the admin zone we'll be back in about two to three weeks certainly before christmas with ashley hayden an extended set from him an extended set from our headliner Don Biswas and plenty more topical and political material including the blokes from Corbin Jokes. Once again, thank you for listening and bye bye.